Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. Hey, if you are online with us today, I'm so glad that you have chosen to join us. Fun in this space, Pastors Nate and Rach are leading us into an exciting new season and uh, we're so glad that you've joined us. My name is Pastor Mel and I get the privilege of bringing the word today, which is kind of exciting. Hey, we are in a great series. Who is loving hearing from the hearts of the different pastors in our church? I think it's awesome and I'm, it, it just doesn't cease to amaze me. I shouldn't be surprised, but I do get surprised still that God still weaves this theme right? Even though we're all just preparing in our own little space, it's the same God that's downloading the messages. And so we start to see what it is that he is doing through this series. So can I encourage you, church, share with people what God is doing, right? Why don't we elevate our conversations a bit, not just about what we've done on the weekend, but when we come together, why don't you share what it is that God is doing in your life? Because I guarantee you, There'll be a thread, right? And what God's doing in your life will encourage somebody else. And and there's just this building up together of faith. So don't just leave it for the pastors up the front. Let's be a community of faith that share with one another. Bring a prophetic word when you walk out here. Tell someone, hey, I really believe that God is seeing this over your life. Let's be people that build one another up. Sound good? Awesome. Now, if you have missed any of the messages, why don't you go to YouTube? And why don't you go back and watch them? And if you want an easy way to get to YouTube, then you just need to put the app on your phone because there's a services one and you click on that and you can watch the one from last week or you can podcast. It's all there. So make sure you grab that, hey? All right. So this message today has actually come about through doing life with you guys. Surprising, right? I just feel like the Holy Spirit has been downloading this message actually for months now through doing life with my family here at C3 Victory. And um, it it all started when, uh, you know, Pastors Nate and Rach released this vision about hope, right? Our church, the heartbeat of this church is, is hope. You know, Jesus is our reason, our mission is people, and our goal is hope. Right, so this is this is who we are, and uh, we know that the ultimate hope is Jesus. So when we find Jesus, we find hope. We find this relationship with God. We find eternal life. We find freedom. We find we find life. But something that I've been wrestling is that being a home for hope, right, is not just about creating this corporate gathering as a place where people can find Jesus. Because ultimately we now have Jesus living in us and so we all are meant to be these homes for hope when we walk out the doors, right? And we interact in our workplace or in our communities, when we go back to our families. We have had some incredibly exciting testimonies lately of family members being saved, right? They have been praying for years and years and years and family members are being saved. Now, part of why that is, is because they've been a home for hope in their homes, in their families, and people have seen something in them that they want. They've seen Jesus, right? So I've been thinking about this 
But at the same time that all this is going on in my head and my heart, I've been walking life with you guys and some of you, more than one, are going through really hard situations, like really hard. And my heart gets torn, really torn, right? Because how do I tell you or encourage you to live in hope when trouble is all around you? Like it sounds like a really good slogan, but how do you do it when life is hard? When there's nothing more that can be said. When it, you know, we keep praying for the breakthrough, but sometimes it's a matter of walking through, right? And in those spaces, it's, it's easy to start to question the goodness of God. Or as a pastor, I would find myself def- like feeling like I had to defend the goodness of God, that God is still good, despite what is happening in your world or my world or our world, right? And at this same time, right, we, we celebrate amazing Sundays like last Sunday. This is awesome. It's Resurrection Sunday. And we celebrate the power of Jesus and that power that now lives in us. And we can conquer all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we have this incredible party. It was a party last week, right? An absolute party. But then we walk out these doors and sometimes that actually makes the brokenness of our world so much more confronting. We can walk right back into these broken situations. And right when I was wrestling this, I found like we were walking out of this season of COVID, which for many has broken people in so many ways, not just health-wise, but financially and mental health-wise and relationally. And I felt like we walked out of that season into a war in Ukraine and then into floods in like northern New South Wales and southern Queensland. And our world is so broken. How do we live in hope in a world of trouble? That is the question that I was asking because I don't want to just say that I'm someone who lives in hope. I want to be someone who lives in hope. And as a church, I believe that we are called to be people who live in hope in the world of trouble. So that's what I feel like God is going to talk about today because he's got a lot to say about this, right? And you know, Pastor Darren actually preached an amazing message a couple of weeks ago. You need to go back and listen to that one if you missed it. But he spoke about the fact that we have an incredible hope in heaven, right? That we live in this confident expectation of this future hope. That we will one day spend an eternity in the goodness of God. And I love that message. There's so much encouragement for us in the seasons of life that we're walking through now. So what does it actually mean, though, to live in that hope now? Practically, how do we do that? I feel like God said, well, maybe this is kind of part two of the messages that we've been hearing because there's been real great messages that have brought us to this encounter with Jesus. And how do we now practically live out that hope? How do we be people whose default response? What's your default response when trouble hits? Because I think that's like a measure of where our heart's actually at. And full disclosure here, my husband can attest, mine is not always hope. I'll go to fixing. 
I'll go to trying to work it out. I'll go to asking the questions why. What is our default response? Because we want to be people who not just know what we should do, but actually do do it, right? Because that is the overwhelming reality of our heart. How do we live in this real hope? Not this blind optimism, like praise Jesus, I'll never actually talk about my troubles because Jesus is more than enough. But we don't actually deal with the fact that trouble is happening. And also not this kind of resigned waiting. Okay, great. Pastor Darren preached about hope in heaven, so I'll just sit here and twiddle my thumbs and wait until I get to that space. And then we kind of look a bit sour, right, as we're walking through life. And I just want to encourage you, for those of you that are walking in a really tough time right now, that God sees you. It's very funny that that phrase came out because this morning in prayer, Brad felt that the word from God today was that God sees you. And I've like got it written down here in my notes in bold, right? God sees you. He is with you and he's bringing an encouraging message to you today. And he's letting us all know that there are deliberate actions, right, that we can take to become people who live in hope no matter what. I just believe he's taking us from these moments of encounters that we've had in his presence to actually now walking it out. How do we walk it out? Give us the action plan, God. That's where we're going to go today. So I want to share a story with you first. Um, At the beginning of the year, we were down in Queensland. My boys had a futsal tournament, and part of the presentation was to go to Dreamworld at night. That's where they had the presentation night. So we've never taken our kids to a theme park. Um, Our kids have never been on rides and roller coasters and things like that. And they're still pretty young. My eldest is 11. My youngest is six. So you don't quite know how this is going to go. My husband's not really an adrenaline man, but I am. I love a good roller coaster. But also, who knows, you get a bit older and you actually have kids and you start to think a bit more. And you're sitting on that roller coaster, right? And you're like, I am putting my entire faith, my life, in the fact that this roller coaster is not going to go flying off the tracks. So it brings a certain reality to adrenaline that I hadn't experienced before until this most recent trip to Dreamworld. So I was not going for the giant drop and I was not going for the Taipan. But we had been gradually stepping our kids up. We went on the Madagascar, it's like the kiddie roller coaster. Then we went on the McDoin one and my kids were liking it. And so I'm like, all right, we're going to go for the gold coaster. So that's, that's a pretty big roller coaster. Um, but I just thought it was like, you know, round and around, maybe some kind of side kind of movements. So I've G'd my kids up. We're going on this roller coaster. I've got Zach and Esther and Grace with me. Josh wanted to go, but I said no because I didn't want to have this kid wanting to get off halfway through or else I'm scarring him for life, right? He will never do anything mum tells him to do again. So I've got the three kids with me and we're walking up. You've got to climb this massive tower to get on this ride. And I look out and I realise this silly roller coaster has two full 360 degree upside down loops. I have no idea. I am second-guessing my decision right now, but you're in, right? You've G'd your kids up. You've got to do it. You can't back out. So we're on this roller coaster, and I make this decision that I'm going to close my eyes because it's got to be better 
if you don't know what's coming. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> so we go through this roller coaster and I got the worst whiplash that I've had in a long time because I had no idea what was coming. And so I hit those like loops and my body, it would have been funny to watch it, but it would have looked like a rag doll just getting thrown from side to side on my head because the rest of your body is like fully locked in there. Um, so yeah, not, not great. I came back out of that and the kids had had a ball and I'm like, oh my gosh, is my neck. Have I done serious damage here? But anyway, the kids want to go again. They're like, they're all for it. My little Esther is an absolute adrenaline junkie. She wanted to go on the Taipan. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's just do this one again. So second time around, I'm a bit wiser. I'm going to keep my eyes wide open. It was a much more enjoyable ride because I knew that the loops were coming and I was able to flow with it. I'm able to hold my head up straight and look at that loop, right, head on and go through it and enjoy the adrenaline of it and obviously keep my head in the right space. And as I was preparing this message, I thought of that experience Because God hasn't left us in a world of trouble without giving us the ability to see, right? So that we can actually stay on track when we're in trouble. We've got to roll with those curves. We've got to come out standing solid in hope no matter what. So this is my no whiplash message, okay? You remember nothing from today. Eyes wide open so you don't get whiplash. So we're going to open up to Scripture, Right? He doesn't talk about roller coasters in here, but it's very relevant. Um, John 16. And, you know, the background of this whole passage, if you read from John 14 right through to John 16, this is Jesus' final conversation with his disciples. He is telling them all the important things in a nutshell before his arrest and his death, right? The disciples don't know what's coming, but he does. And it's a super encouraging, you know, passages of scripture, chapters, and I'm going to encourage you to go back and read it because they're very relevant to the one verse that we're going to focus on today. And the culmination of this chapter is John 16, 33. And that's what we're going to read today. And we're going to read from the NIV. John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Come on. That is a great passage of scripture. Right there. There is so much in those three very short sentences, right? And there's a great promise from God in this verse. This is what we celebrated last Sunday. He has overcome this world of trouble, right? And we know it's true because we, we get to see it. We know that Jesus rose from the dead. But what actually came alive in this scripture was the first two sentences because they presented a tension. And we don't often like tensions, but tensions in scripture are really, really powerful because they make the promises of God so incredible to us, right? Jesus doesn't shy away from the reality of this world, but he gives us promises to help us to walk through it, right? So we're going to go into attention today and it's going to actually be freeing. The invitation to peace from Jesus in this scripture is actually relevant because of the trouble that sandwiches it, right? And when we sit in scripture long enough, 
Sometimes it's not even long enough, but the Holy Spirit brings answers to your questions. I was asking questions and this verse jumped out at me. So if you've got questions, go to scripture, just read it. You don't even know what the Holy Spirit will say. And sometimes he says something that you don't really expect, right? Because here I am. I'm, try- I'm, I'm meeting with people and I'm wrestling this in myself and I'm trying to talk away the trouble, right? I'm trying to defend the goodness of God because there is trouble. I'm trying to make sense of the trouble. I'm trying to get out of the uncomfortableness of the trouble, anything, to kind of acknowledge the trouble. But then I read this and I realize that Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus acknowledges it. Jesus calls it for what it is. There is trouble in this world. It is painful. It is real. We live in a world that, that we, you know, we long for something else. We long for the goodness and the greatness and all the beauty that God is. And trouble will actually affect us all in some spaces and times. But the thing is, in this sentence, he brings hope to our battered hearts because he acknowledges trouble. But you know what he does? He puts trouble in its right place. And that's my point one today. How do you live in hope in a world full of trouble? You have to put trouble in its right place. I completely argued with God about preaching this message because I don't want to talk about trouble. I want to bring something else. And then my beautiful friend Nick sends me this text out of the blue, right? And it's this message of Joyce Meyer on suffering. And the whole beginning of the message is Joyce Meyer arguing with God that she doesn't want to bring a message on suffering and that she doesn't get out of it. And I kind of went, well, if Joyce Meyer doesn't get out of it with God, then probably I can't get out of it either. (laughs) So here I am, preaching on trouble. Right? But the Holy Spirit totally reminded me in this verse that actually knowing that there will be trouble in our fallen world is freeing. Because when it sweeps in, which it will, maybe it has right now, maybe it has in the past, or maybe it will in the future, that's not actually a defeatist attitude because God has given us a way where we don't get whiplash from it, where we don't get swept off our feet and we end up lost in a sea of why God's why. Because we know what trouble is and we know the place that we're just meant to put it right? We don't elevate trouble. If we don't put trouble in its right place, we will make it so high in our life. We will make it become what our life is about, right? And we give it a place that then has power over us. We start to even put trouble in the same place as God. Well, if he was God, he would take it away. If he really loves me, he wouldn't let this person that I love so much suffer. Right, And we start to create this melting pot of our foundational beliefs. We actually let the world come in and deposit truth where it's not true, right? It's just the ideas of the world. Because the world's going to tell you that you shouldn't have any trouble. Trouble is a bad thing, right? And you should not have any of it because we are enlightened people. And life is all about pleasure. Life is all about the good stuff. Life is about pursuing your best life because you deserve it. 
That's what the world says. And then we as Christians, we take that and we cherry pick our scriptures and we get all the good stuff and we develop this entire foundational understanding of life that we as Christians now, because we've come over to the good side, we should have a trouble-free life because God is going to bless us always. God is going to protect us from everything. God is going to pull us out. God is going to make a way where there is no way. And we begin to believe that that is actually the truth. And then trouble sweeps in and we're lost. We're like, well, where's God now? You know, God's, God's abandoned me. And we give this enemy a foothold. And he starts to just chip away at the goodness of God and our steadfast resoluteness in him. And we start to close our eyes. And we start to turn away from the one who actually is good, right? He is life and he is peace, but we allow trouble to take our eyes off him and start to doubt who he is. And this doesn't happen overnight, but trouble is tiring. Trouble can wear us down if we don't have something that we're anchored in, if we're not anchored in this truth of Jesus, right? I love this scripture, Because Jesus loves his disciples and he loves us so much that he actually lets us know what's coming, that there will be trouble, but he puts it in the right place, right? Trouble is in the world. We live in a fallen world. The reason we have trouble is because of the consequences of sin in this world. You will have trouble because of your own sin. Sometimes it's because of other people's sin. Sometimes it's just the fallen creation that we live in. That's where trouble is. That is the source of trouble. It is not God's plan. It is not God's best. And hear this today if you're in the middle of trouble. It is not his indifference towards you, nor is it his abandonment of you. Okay? Because God is love. God is good. God is faithful. God is kind. God will always, always, always love you. God will always be with you. He is sovereign. He has authority over all things. These are absolute truths that we stand on, right? And we don't allow trouble to sweep on in and to change that foundation that we live in. And Jesus is reminding his disciples of this so that when trouble comes, they won't turn away from him, the source of life and peace in the midst of trouble. Church, I believe... That when we put trouble in its right place, right, it takes power away from the enemy and it pushes us closer to Jesus. And we actually become people who walk in a reality of peace that demonstrates to this world that we have a hope in something other than the outcome of our circumstances, right? We have hope regardless We have hope now and we live in a confident expectation that God will do something now and he will do something in the future that out of all of this, we are going to walk out of this in a deeper relationship with him, which actually is better than anything that we could have, right? I love the Amplified version, Jess, where we're in the Amplified today, right? Because I read this, John 16, in this this middle sentence of verse 33 in the Amplified says... In the world, you have tribulation, distress, and suffering. 
but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I believe that's what it looks like, church. When we're in the midst of trouble, we are confident, right? We are undaunted. We are still filled with joy. I believe that's what it looks like to live in hope. And that's not some super spiritual, like crazy, raise my hands. I just don't ever acknowledge that there's hard things. It's just this steadfastness. When you walk through trouble with this steadfastness in God, with this, you know, just read the Psalms. Read David. He does this so often. He pours out his heart to God. Oh, God, why have you forsaken me? Like, God, where are you? Why is this trouble? But he always comes back to you about, God, you are good. And God, I can hope in you. And God, I walk with you. And God, I trust you. That is what it means to be a people of hope. Eyes wide open, right? That's what it means to be eyes wide open in the roller coaster of life that will bring trouble. I believe that's who God is calling us to be, church. Not one of us, all of us. This is how we impact our city. This is how people know that they want Jesus because Jesus gives us something other than just answering all the outcomes that we want, right? Jesus gives us a way to walk through. But that's hard sometimes. Like it is hard. And that's why Jesus didn't just tell us who we should be and then not tell us how we be that. Jesus always tells us how. And that's point two, right? You've got to put yourself in the right place. Right? We put trouble in its place and then put yourself in the right place. John 16, 33. The first sentence there. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. We are always looking for peace. The world is looking for peace. And sometimes as Christians, we want the newfangled, I don't know, great book that we can just read and it'll osmosisly apply to our life and suddenly we will be people who live in peace. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed from what Jesus told his disciples. Remain in me. Right? But that's not just a, I don't know, a nice thought. It, It's a deliberate action plan. There are things that we need to do to actually remain in Jesus, right? There are things that we are intentional about that keep our heart in that place. And this is why this message is relevant for absolutely all of us because even if you're not in a season of trouble right now, there are deliberate actions that you need to be doing in your life right now. This is what Jesus is saying to prepare yourself so that you will be able to be held in trouble, right? We are preparing for it. We are held in it because we're not afraid of trouble. We're not trying to run away from it. We are people that it doesn't matter. We are going to get through it no matter what. It's so encouraging to us. Right? Our hope is in Jesus, not the outcome, not the breakthrough, not the absence of pain, but Jesus. And He has to be so real to us for that to be true. He can't just be real to us on a Sunday. He can't just be real to us through our favorite Instagram preacher. He has to be real to us. I just want us to look at what these things are. He said, I told you these things so that in me you can have peace. Do you read the Bible like this? Do you ask yourself, well, what are these things? What are the things that I need so that I can be in peace in Jesus? 
And this is where you need to go home, right? And read through John 14, John 15, John 16, because it is in here that He, Jesus is declaring He is the way to God. He is declaring that He knows how important His presence is to us. So He's actually going to go away, but give us the Holy Spirit who is our helper, because that is going to give us everything that we need and more. He is giving us this picture of God as the gardener and Jesus as the vine. And as we stay in Him, we produce fruit. Like He is giving us the keys to remaining in Him. So can I encourage you, these things, these deliberate, if you need to write these down, the deliberate action plan of God is that we would read His Word. He says in there that when we remain in His Word, this Scripture will bring you life. Don't look for another bestseller. This is the bestseller. And you can't just get it from someone else's revelation. You've got to hear it from the Spirit yourself, right? And we we follow it. It says we obey His commands. Sometimes that's hard, but the more you do it, it will outwork in your character and it will become the thing that you want to do, right? And we pray, pray. We spend time with God. You cannot build a relationship with someone without spending time and talking to them. These are simple things, but they are so powerful. And do you know what? We stay in community. This is a community of faith who will encourage you through trouble. We need one another in trouble. Lean into one another. If you're going through trouble, reach out and then walk with someone through it. And if you're not in trouble, I tell you what, there are lots of things that you can do to walk with people in trouble right now. If you don't know what to do, come and ask us. We will happily show you how we can walk this together as a community. You know, as Pastor Simo mentioned before, discipleship. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. This is how we stay in the right place. And it is the most important training you will ever do. I just want to leave you with this thought. Think about emergency personnel. My son, Zach, was obsessed with firemen. So we would be at fire stations And I was always struck by the fact that they're so quiet, right? And I would ask the firemen, well, what do you do all day? Because they spend so much time not in emergencies, right? But they would tell me, no, they they practice. They get to know each other as a team and they practice working together and they check all their equipment and they practice using their equipment and they make plans for different scenarios and then they practice outworking their plans and they come up with contingencies to their plans. They spend so much time getting these defaults in place because they know that when they hit an emergency, they need a plan. They need to have practiced these things. They need to have done them so many times that they are confident, they are assured, they are controlled, and they know where everybody is on the team and they just get in there and they do their job, right? Did you know that discipleship is your training in faith? You have to do discipleship so much before you hit the trouble. That's how we remain in Jesus, right? It matters. This scripture tells us that these daily habits and defaults are so essential to prepare us for trouble and to hold us in trouble, keeping us in the right place, right? So that we can be people of hope. Sometimes our discipleship looks a little bit more fast food-like. I can kind of imagine how would you feel if you're a marathon runner, and you went to run a marathon and you only know like K year and 
maybe a little brief walk around the lake there. Maybe you watch somebody run a marathon like you watch the Olympics. And then you're like, I can run a marathon now. What would happen when you hit that first hill? (laughs) It's exactly the same with faith, right? We have to actually put in the discipleship training and it is not a chore. It is a pleasure because what you are actually doing is building relationship with Jesus. Somehow we put discipleship in this, I don't know, this boring category. It's not boring. It's relationship with Jesus. We've got to change our concept of what it is and we've got to see it, that it is the most important thing you will ever commit to. If you can commit to a gym membership, I tell you what, commit to Jesus first and foremost. Right? Put as much effort into your relationship with Jesus as you do into your diet or your gym or your whatever your things that you love to do in life because it is what actually gives you life. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au. 